to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tours. And after a brief hiatus for moving house and moving jobs and moving everything but the needle, we have returned to talk pass rushers who have misbehaved, talk quarterbacks who refuse to leave where they currently are, and to play you all of our remaining interviews from the Super Bowl, because basically we're lazy. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. This is the Gridiron Show. And on the theme of laziness from moment one, Will Gavin in the studio, Ollie Hunter not actually here. Yeah, of course not. Um, I mean, I think it's firstly we should address some of the rumours that have been circulating on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter. There have been rumours? Instagram, even Instagram. The rumours of gridiron being no more. It is not true. We are back. We've just been busy, haven't we, Will? Oh, it's been a crazy few weeks, and so apologies, first of all, to our sponsors. Don't worry, we're going to put out two podcasts over the next three days, maybe two days. We'll see how we do. And we're going to put out a load of stuff for the draft anyway. Plus, we've got the schedule schedule released next week. Uh, and so with all of that, there's going to be loads of content over the next few weeks. Plus, who cares what our thoughts are on RG3 signing with the Browns and having a quarterback battle with Josh McCown? And who cares what our thoughts are on... I, I don't know what else happened over the last two weeks. Literally, ask me about the tennis or the golf, and I am clued up. But, yeah, we apologise for our, our lack of podcasting over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, we're a disgrace, a collective disgrace. What's ridiculous is I feel like I've seen you more regularly than any time in the last two years, bar when we've been away with each other. But every time I see you for a sum total of about 45 seconds. Well, no, I, I, I have to say I disagree. We've seen each other. We just haven't been able able to pod. Like I mean, I'll come in and you're just finishing off Nat Coombs' show on TalkSport 2 and I've got to voice some nonsense for, you know, some German football coverage and then you've got to go and do, a, like, pre-record a different show and I've got to intro the golf and it's all been, you know, it's, it's very much like passing shit in the night. That's the phrase, it, right? It, yeah, uh, because of the quality of uh, the Skype connection, I thought you said passing shits. No, I did uh, say passing shits. I thought that was the phrase. Oh, right. It's, uh, do you mean ship as in something that sails on the sea? No, no, I keep saying the word for defecation, Ollie. You're kind of ruining the joke. Oh, right. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the case if you were here, which you're in your second home, which is TalkSport 2. But you're not. You're not here with me. What is exciting, though, is we've got a brand new soundboard. No new sounds, just a brand new soundboard. Damn it. Which makes, pla- Damn it. <laughs> which makes playing the noises out. Damn, Titans. Damn. Way, way easier, which means you can expect more. For the bang. More tight spiral balls and more. Let's go crackers with the Packers. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to get rid of the, all of these. We were, we were going to retire a load and build a whole new soundboard. I suggested that and you said no. Well, look, I think we should um, do a bit of both. Uh, who? What do people think on Twitter? We need to know at Gridiron on Twitter. What should we keep? What should go? And maybe some suggestions for new stuff as well. Because, I mean, there's some stuff that's never going to leave us. We're never going to get rid of... They can leave San Diego and we'll re-record this song to a version more suited to their new location because we love it that much. Anchor but Rich, supercharged. <laughs> Anchor Rich, 
Austin, Texas, superchargers. It works. It works bloody well. Uh, and Wembley Brent superchargers. Wembley Brent. Oh, that's horrendous. Yeah. Um, I so Ollie, what is there anything to report from your life then? Is there anything to tell me about? Because every time I see you, inevitably we go, when are we going to podcast? We should podcast soon. When are we going to podcast? And then we don't podcast. Dude, dude we should so podcast right now. Uh, I miss you, buddy. I miss you. Even though we see each other a lot. Yeah, I miss you. I miss your wife more, though. Should we? <laughs> Come on, mate. Should we tell people what we're going to have coming up on the show first and then do all of this? Oh, yeah, let's do that. So, coming up on today's show, what we're going to do over the next two days is split two shows apart. So, you've sent us in some great questions on Twitter. We'll get to those. Uh, we'll talk a bit of news on this show. We'll talk about misbehaving pass rushers and quarterbacks who either refuse to leave where they currently are or are so desperate to leave where they currently are that no one will take them. Uh, and uh, then we're going to roll on with the rest of our um, uh, Super Bowl interviews. So, we've still got to play you. Charles Johnson of the Minnesota Vikings. Greg Jennings, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Jim Stuckey, former defensive lineman of the 49ers. Ed Too Tall Jones, a member of that brilliant Cowboys defense of the late 70s. Uh, Ian Williams, who's just re-signed with the 49ers. And Ricky Jean-Francois of the London-bound Washington Football Club. Out of those five, that was who six, was my yeah. favorite? Six. Who was my favorite? I'm going to guess it was Ed Too Tall Jones. Uh, no, you would be wrong. Go on. Who was it then? Ricky Jean-Francois. He was great, wasn't he? He was brilliant. And it was so good. And uh, we get into all... We get... You know, we don't talk about Washington very much. And we get deep on Washington, so... You like that? You like that? That's the first one I'm retiring, by the way. We go tight spiral balls deep into Washington. I think it was BS. And no, yeah. that didn't work, did it? Sorry. No. Sorry, buddy. Uh, so we'll get into all of that in a short while. But Ollie, tell me your life. What's been going down? Oh man, I've been putting double, like I worked days and nights at TalkSport for four days in a row. It was, it was horrendous and I slept for like a week. But other than that, I haven't, you know, my life has uh, just revolved and I've been working on TalkSports 2's Nat Coombs' All-American Sports Show, which has been good fun. That's been good fun. And you know who we had on the show yesterday? Go on. Do you watch First Dates? Oh, uh, yeah, I love first dates. I mean, so, I, I maybe shouldn't admit that quite so vehemently, but yeah, it's brilliant. So, you know, the maitre d', Fred Syriac. No, you did not have Fred on your show. Mate, I've got his number. He's a big boxing fan, and we previewed Pacquiao Bradley with him. Oh, my God, that is incredible. Can I. I can- I'm, I couldn't believe I, it was him. I'm doing Pacquiao Bradley on on, on Sunday morning on Talksport 2. Uh, we've got full live coverage. Wow, why, why am I shilling for Talksport 2? But I'm hosting that coverage. So, uh, yeah, let's try and get him on at like four in the morning. That'd be amazing. Uh, I have to ask Nat to see if I will be able to give away his uh, <laughs> his number. But what a- Hold on, I thought you were Nat's executive producer. Yeah, I am Nat's exec producer. But um, so, so that was pretty cool. I... I looked him up and I, I found him on Twitter and I thought, nah, it's a different person. There's no way that we'd be getting the guy from First Dates on. And it, we did. Um, spoke to Asmir Begovic. Uh, I spoke to him about uh, the Patriots. Are you still there? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm still here. Okay. I'm just listening. All right. It, no, but it, because it's dropped a couple of times. One time it dropped and I dialed back in and you didn't even notice I'd gone. <laughs> <laughs> just chatting away to myself. You were. You were just chatting away to yourself. So anyway, um, Asmir Begovic, uh, uh, I, I, I said it. I shouldn't really uh, like you given that I'm a Packers fan and a QPR fan. <laughs> and uh, he replied and called QPR OPR which uh, was a, an obvious slight 
at me. Uh, thank you very much, Adsmir. But he was pretty cool. Old He's person a- rangers? Yeah. Good, yeah. good. It's, be- it's better than uh, one of my friends who called them queer people rule. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, they do. So <laughs> they do. That's, yeah, that's true. It's at least uh, accurate. Yeah, thanks- thankfully. <laughs> Uh, I have literally... What have you been up to? I've been uh, moving house. Uh, That's the worst thing in the world. But it's going to be amazing once we've moved in. Oh, there's so much nonsense with solicitors. I hate it. Oh, it's just rubbish. And tomorrow morning I have to pay £60,000 into somebody else's account and that makes me incredibly sad. That's happening tomorrow. Yeah, well, uh, we have to do that tomorrow and then uh, completion like next Monday and then we can start actually moving stuff. Uh, I've got to go, I've been to the tip more times in the last three days than it's natural for any human being to go to an area of refuse that often in their life. And it's just it's been a ball ache. But I've taken some downtime in that uh, Sunday night. We had no live sport on TalkSport 2. So I watched all of WrestleMania in full. And it was incredible. And I'm slightly sad we've not had Adam Rank on to talk about it. So maybe I should, I'll drop him, I'll slide into his DMs and see if he fancies coming on to talk wrestling with me uh, on a time when you're not going to be here. Uh, I, you know, I can, I can converse wrestling. I can't converse wrestling. You came came and watched the women's match with us when your shift finished at like Uh, 2am. Yeah, that was good, actually, the the women's match. That was good. See, it is good. It's, well, it's designed for children, but I don't care. It's uh, designed for children and fat Americans. Do you know, I, well, I'm basically a fat American. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm at least 50% of the way there. Uh, and I went to see Batman versus Superman. Uh, why did you do that to yourself? I, do, I genuinely don't know. It was truly dreadful. I'm really disappointed in you, actually, for doing that. I'm kind of disappointed in myself that I... Well, the thing is, I knew I was going to go and see it, and I will probably go and see the Justice League as well, but I just hate Zack Snyder. Like, I could honestly do an hour-long podcast about why that film is terrible. A podcast? (laughs) (laughs) A a podcast... (laughs) A podcast about Alan Pardew. Yeah. Uh, Is that what you're doing? A Pardew? Uh, yeah, I could do a podcast as well. A podcast about Ma Ma Ma. Uh, whinging about how terrible, how great Pardew is in the uh, in the transfer market, but one of the least reactive managers in the history of time. And therefore, so, uh, I refuse to be his friend. So you move into Surrey, right? <laughs> <laughs> do a podcast. I am moving oh. to Surrey, so that's how I'm going to talk from now on. No, I went to the cinema to see the latest Jackie Chan release. Oh my god! Do you know you what that's? Do you know what that's? That that voice almost is. Hmm, uh, fantasy darling. <laughs> oh, I've forgotten about fa- that. We need you need to put make that as a uh, as a drop. Uh, yeah, okay. Somebody record themselves going, ooh, fantasy darling. <gasps> Not what in my about? voice. Send it in to us via, you know, boomerang or something. That's what the kids are using now, Ollie. Uh, let's have some. No, let's have two. So we'll have you doing it, but occasionally we'll drop in a listener's, a listener's winner's fantasy darling. We'll pick the best one. What happens if no one sends us a fantasy darling now? Then I'll do it. <laughs> don't don't tell anyone i'll cut that out i'm definitely not going to cut that out uh so yeah that's basically been what i've done and i won't go on about whinging about batman versus superman it was just dreadful and incoherent and nonsense and badly directed and not brilliantly acted and basically the one star the two star reviews it's been given are at least one star too generous that was my feeling on it yeah i yeah I feel your pain, buddy. Feel your pain. Uh, let's talk some NFL news. And 
very exciting stuff. Twitter have announced that they are going to be live streaming Thursday night football via Twitter next season. So your dream of watching Jags Titans on a five inch screen at two in the morning is about to come true. What do, what do you what do you feel about this? I mean, do you really care? I mean, no, it's it's kind of cool because it makes it free access to all. And I'm assuming that if they have the international rights and you can pick it up anywhere, well, let's be honest, that means you're going to get the opportunity to. Um, that means you're going to the opportunity to not watch the Sky coverage. So bonus. Uh, Actually, do you know what? That's a really good point. But then, when you when you buy NFL, you know, uh, what, what's it called? Game Pass. You don't have to watch the Sky coverage then, anyway. That is so, true. But then, for those people, it's going to be for free. It's going to be for free for everybody, and all you have to do is create a Twitter account. But then it will be on a tiny screen. Ah, I don't know what to do. Maybe they'll make a big screen out of it, like in YouTube when they do live simulcasting on YouTube and stuff. Uh, what's amazing is that we will have just had. Thank you for your thoughts on that, Ollie. I'm I'm glad that you told me what you thought of the Twitter thing. I had to really remember what it was because it was five minutes ago we were discussing that. The magic of editing means that people won't have heard the last five minutes where my wife decided to ring because she was getting off the bus after watching my big fat Greek wedding too, and just wanted to talk to me while she was walking from the bus to the house because she was a bit freaked out because tooting can be a bit rough at times. Yeah, but the thing is, and um, I know this from personal experience because my sister did it. It's really bad idea to be on your phone in the dark talking to someone because she was on the phone and this is going to get a little dark when she was in um, when she was in uh, living in Southwark uh, about 10 years ago. And um, then she got mugged because she was on her phone on the phone to her boyfriend at the time. So that was a lot rougher 10 years ago and mobile phones were a lot less prevalent. So I'm blaming it on that. OK, fair enough. And she she was a bit stupid doing that. But either way, I, I wouldn't I don't like it. We we haven't really talked about much NFL, and we're about 15 minutes in here. But I did want to tell one more story before we got on. So yesterday, we were running stuff to the dump. And just like bags of recycling, bags of rubbish, stuff like that. So we've got in our little car, Larry, and we started to, we opened it up, started to pack all the rubbish bags in. So I was bringing them down to the bottom of the stairs. Sarah was filling the car. Fine. Yeah. Filled the car up. I walked down the stairs, checked that everything was in, slammed the door behind me. Sarah looks at me immediately, half terrified, half angry. And I was like, what? And she was like, do you have your keys? And I'm, no. Oh, no. Brilliant. Because hers were shut on the inside of the door, still inside the chub lock. Oh, no. Wait, this gets so cool in a second. So uh, I ring up our land, our, our letting agents. Ends up that because they don't manage the property, don't, they don't keep a copy of the keys. Rang our landlord. Didn't get an answer. Sarah, right, you, as you know, well know, Ollie, our letterbox broke off a little while ago, and I've not bothered fixing it. So yeah. there's just a big hole in our front door. Yeah. Uh, we both tried to get our arm through and reach the keys, but neither of us could reach them. Sarah suddenly, like, f***ing MacGyver, looks over at me and goes, I've got an idea. Runs to the car, opens up one of the bags that's going down to the recycling, pulls out a desk tidy, like a a little thing that's got, like, eight drawers in it. You put stuff like safety pins and, uh, you know, pens in and stuff like that. Stationary stuff. Takes one of these drawers out. Yeah. Puts it through the letterbox, so it's underneath the keys. Yeah. Then, then takes a hairpin out of her hair, yeah. puts it through the lock, turns the key in the lock, and pushes yeah. it out into the drawer, and then withdraws the drawer through the letterbox, keys and all. Oh, 
That's incredible. It was genuinely the coolest thing I've ever seen my wife do. And I stood there like an absolute muggins, just like I would never have even thought. I, like, I was five minutes away from calling a locksmith. I like. You, do you love her even more now? Yeah, 100%. I don't think I've ever loved her more. Wow. It she was... This is it. It's all downhill from here. I think she, she might have peaked. <laughs> I think she might have peaked, Ollie. <laughs> oh, no. She's peaked and you've been married a year. <laughs> no! <laughs> but it was it was a glorious moment while it lasted. Um, look, I always... Oh, when is your anniversary? Uh, end of May. Oh, okay, good. We've got plans. It's fine. Will you remind me so yeah. I don't forget sending you a card? You don't need to send us a card. I'll a give pr- you a present is what's preferred, mate. Come on. Oh, right, fine. It's paper, <laughs> isn't it? Present of money. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm giving her Adele tickets, so... Player. To Ver- tickets? To see her oh. in Verona. Oh, wow, that's nice. That would be incredible. They're pretty incredible seats as well, but just in case she listens, I'm not going to say that. She definitely doesn't listen. <laughs> she's, yeah, but she's going to know I told this story. So this might be the one podcast she listens to, just so she can hear... The story of how cool she was. Yeah, okay. I think we should get people to tweet us. Tweet us at Gridiron with your cool stories. Your cool stories or your cool wife stories. I want to know when somebody has impressed you by just pulling something out of the bag like that. Yeah, all right. That's great. Uh, this, that would so work better on radio, but it's fine. It's, it's all good. <laughs> Let's, uh, I should have also put that to some music, but I don't really have anything suitable. Don't put it to that. <laughs> You've got a billion musical um, beds to your fingertips on, on that screen to your left-hand side. And there's only one thing on a play. And it's that. Um, right. Should we, let's, we need to get to our interviews and stuff, but there is some NFL news floating around. Should we save the quarterback talk for tomorrow's show and just quickly mention the uh, misbehaving defensive ends talk? Yeah, let's do that. So Greg Hardy has called himself an innocent man and Ray Rice a guilty man as he denies ever laying his hands on a woman. He says it's a stretch to say he didn't do anything wrong, but then in the same sentence insisted he was innocent. He didn't lay a hand on his girlfriend. Uh, Then he said, but yeah, an incident did happen. Well, I don't know about you. I've seen the photos of her back taken by the police after it happened. That yeah. doesn't suggest to me that nobody lay a hand on her. Uh, it's just this bizarre interview on ESPN with Greg Hardy that makes me think he doesn't want to be employed by an NFL team anymore because surely no one who sees that thinks themselves, oh, he's in the right frame of mind. Let's bring Greg Hardy into our 53. Now, I've, I've got a, a, a problem with this story. Not just, you know, what it's about and how horrendous a human being Greg Hardy is. And we all know he is. And that isn't new. It's not new news. It's not news. Uh, no, no. But, but the, whole, the whole ESPN giving further coverage to this horrific excuse for a human being. I think it was BS. It, you're utterly right there. It is BS. And the fact that we're now talking about it, we're giving this... I'm sorry to say, more time, more air. It's just really disappointing. And I just wish he'd go away. I don't want to know anything about it. A bit like our fantasy league. Um, No one should pick him up or no one did pick him up. And that should happen in real life. And no one should even talk about him ever 
ever again. Just in case anyone wonders, it is a, a league with defensive players in, ITP league, just because just people will go, uh, he's a defensive player, you don't play defensive players in, in fantasy football. That's what all of my fans sound to me like when I'm... My fans? I said my fans. That's what all of them... No, our, oh, oh, Billy Big Bollocks over there. <laughs> now he's got a Talk Sport 2 show. Oh, my fans. Yeah. That's what all our fans sound like to me on Twitter. All my fans say... Mm. <laughs> watching uh, Greg Hardy uh, uh, right anyway the other thing is uh, whilst we talk sorry go on do you agree I uh, know absolutely you're 100% right that's why I'm trying to move on okay good Oakland and Alden Smith have struck a two year deal uh, worth up to 19.5 million with 11 million dollar base wow He's going to miss the first 10 games of this season what? after he had a, a year-long ban imposed on him. That's his, I think, his fourth incident or ban in four seasons. Maybe his third ban, but fourth incident in as many years. I mean, this guy is clearly talented. Um, most sacks in the first two years of his career of any player in NFL history, uh, 33 and a half when he's played as a situational pass rusher in San Francisco. Uh, uh, in just 500 snaps last year, him and Khalil Mack combined for an unbelievable 62 hurries, nine sacks, eight quarterback hits before the suspension. You know, he's a great player. Yeah. But a two-year contract with 11 million base salary for a guy that's going to miss 10 out of 32 games? I mean, at least he'll be fresh. Well, there is that. <laughs> if they play him situationally, if they actually use him in that way, and you consider they went out and got uh, Bruce Irvin? Yeah, yeah. From the Seahawks. Is that who they signed from the Seahawks? Oh, my God, I'm so tired. I really think it was. Uh, <laughs> that one out right out of the bag. That's one of those... I can't believe it. Type Sarah Denya, uh, Sarah Gavin stories. If you if you bring, you really him, impress me there. Ridiculous. If you bring him into that situation as a situational pass rusher, then he could be really explosive and really exciting. But it does feel like they've overpaid massively. Yeah, I mean the fact that he's going to miss those ten <laughs> ten games. Oakland could be you know three and seven by then. We don't know what the schedule will be like, but you know they could be out of it, and they're they're paying a guy to be not playing for them it's mad but but do, we, but do we think that is the raiders this year i mean i am starting to believe that the raiders could challenge for the afc west yeah i mean that's that's kind of hysterical isn't it uh, <laughs> yeah you're not here to do this so i can do it whenever i like in fact i'm not even gonna play hysterical <laughs> will's right <laughs> thanks guys I really appreciate that. Yeah, My man. fans will love that one. <laughs> You're such a prick. <laughs> I'm going to turn into Westwood now I've got this. I'm going to get bomb drops and stuff like that. It's going to be awesome. Can't say bomb now. Uh, I, uh, we're in a podcast studio, not an airport. <laughs> right, but my feeling on, uh, on, the, uh, on the Raiders at this point, right? So you've got Amari Coop, you've got uh, Michael Crabtree, who was brilliant last year uh, as right, their was. second choice. Seth Roberts, I thought, came through really interestingly. Andre Holmes caught a few touchdowns towards the end of the season. So they've got receivers. You've got Latavius Murray, who I think uh, just needs a few games really you know piecing it together putting everything together he's obviously got the talent I, I, I would like to see them take a running back if I mean if there's any way they can move up and get Ezekiel Elliott that would be incredible um, I think that Latavius Murray needs a one-two punch there but 
Derek Carr's impressive. I think they've probably got one of the top two or three offensive lines in the league at this point. It's a very big offensive line. Donald Penn and uh, Austin Howard on the outside. Kalichi Assembly, uh, who they brought in, obviously, this year. Rodney Hudson, who they paid a lot for. And Gabe Jackson. You know, it's a very big, brawling offensive line. There's not a lot of foot speed necessarily there, but... They're one of the most powerful offensive lines in the league and I think rival the likes of the Steelers and rival the likes of the Cowboys for one of the best lines in the league. And we saw what their defense did last year and they've augmented that. Now, uh, if they can get a top-level cornerback, if they can get a top-level running back, I, I, like, I love the Sean Smith signing as well. If, yeah. they, if they can bring in another cornerback, maybe another safety and, uh, and a starting running back, if they can get starters at those three positions, they look like a playoff team. And like I've said before, you can get decent cornerbacks, even at from smaller schools or whatever, um, in the deeper rounds of the of the league. You can get those guys to come in, plug and play, and do a job for you. And yeah, okay, I, you're, yeah, you've got me. Um, don't forget <laughs> the pun- don't forget the punter as well. Um, oh, Marquette King, one of my favourite yeah. punters in the league. Yeah, exactly. So I yeah. But then it would be very recent Raiders for them just to completely tank anyway. To implode, yeah. Of course yeah, it would. exactly. So, Ollie, we've got six interviews. Uh, how are we going to choose which ones go on this show? Why don't you just pick at random? I think we could do that. And I've got a way of doing it. How? Let's do Interview Wheel of Fortune! Welcome to Interview Wheel of Fortune here on The Gridiron Show. Ollie Hunter is our contestant this evening. Ollie, you have a wonderful range of interviews to pick between. Shall we see where the wheel takes you? Yes, please. In which case, Ollie, I'm going to need you to shout, spin that wheel for me. Spin that wheel for me, Will. Ollie, you're a man in luck. We're going to start off with your favourite, Ricky Jean-Francois! Do you know what I like is when you see someone that's going, about to fall asleep and they're like... And they keep, yeah. And you just keep watching. It's one of the funniest things ever. You mean like me in the bar last night? Like you in the bar last night. You and your mate in the bar last night. You were a disgrace. You got to pace yourself. You can't go full speed. You got to pace yourself. The thing is, it wasn't even that, because I'd only had a couple of drinks, but it's because we were here at like six in the morning. We were here until seven at night. Did you eat, though? Uh, I, well, this is the thing. I, I haven't eaten yet today. Oh. Again, so Look, he needs, we were... this guy needs to eat. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Ricky's a defensive line. He understands about this. He's got to bulk up. I mean, I, I could play defensive line, maybe. <laughs> uh, so delighted to be joined by uh, Ricky, and I'm going to try and pronounce this right. Jean Francois. Jean Francois. Jean Francois. Oh, I could have told you that because it's French. Oh, I was trying to be Jean Francois. Jean Francois. Yes, perfect. Fantastic. Well, it's you know, it's from our part of the world, almost. So uh, yeah, uh, Ricky. Just uh, first of all, talk to us. You've been here since, as you said, six this morning. It's now mid-afternoon. How has your uh, Super Bowl Fifty experience been? I'm, I'm, I'm loving. It. I'm loving the media. I'm getting a chance to, to to connect with a lot of new guys, see a lot of Hall of Famer, get a chance to talk to them, and just talk to them about the game and back and forth, and trying to get better at doing this, being behind a mic, being able to ask questions, be able to give questions off back and forth like this feel like this practice to me and i'm getting it from every nationality and every side of the world so that's the best part about it awesome stuff are you um 
in terms of uh, who you've seen today, who you've met today, we asked Todd Gurley this earlier, but is there a highlight of someone you've met today you hadn't met before? And, and that's because it's just crazy. We were doing our show yesterday in the evening, and Steve Young and Jerry Rice were stood behind us, and we just got to go. Jerry, come say something for the UK fans. He came over, he talked into the mic for a couple of minutes. It was, you know, that sort of thing can only happen here. Yeah, I was, I had my back turned and I didn't pay attention to who it was and I was doing the interview. And when I turned around, I saw it was Emmett Smith. I wanted to break away from the interview and start <laughs> talking to him, but I was just like tapping him, trying to say hi at the same time and concentrate on what I was saying. Like you said, this is the only event that you get to, to stand and interact with Hall of Famers, guys who we used to have on, on cards. And now you get to actually hold a conversation with them and see what they're really like. Talk to us about your first season in Washington. Obviously, it's a place that hadn't had playoff football for a few years and, and a, a successful season overall in, in the NFC East. Talk to us about your first year there and, and how you experienced it. At first, when going to D.C., it was, it was a soap opera because we were trying to figure out who the quarterback is. And now we find out who our quarterback is, was Kirk Cousin. Um, we had some up and downs, but we ended up getting together at the end of the day end up having a, a, a players meeting to tell guys that you have the talent to be the best that you want to be. It's, a, it's up to you to bring it out. We can say we're the best, but if you don't display it on the field, how we know we're the best. And once that started happening, we started putting wins together. Last the part, last part of the season, we had four wins. One of the, We won one of the hardest divisions in the NFL. We got a quarterback that dropped 4,000 yards, 29 touchdowns. And it, 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 it's a lot to take from the season that just took past. And I'm happy about the next season. I'm happy and I'm scary about it. Why I'm scary about it is because all the weapons that Kirk Cousins have and everybody is gelling together. It's going to take some time again to do it. I, I mean, on the offensive side, just quickly while you're talking about all the weapons, what I love this year is Kirk is a guy who we, uh, we didn't know a huge amount about going to this year. We knew he had the raw tools. But what I loved on the way you're off in set and I wonder what this is like as a defensive player, is that your schemes in the routes they ran, everything was done to confuse the defense. You've got crossing routes, you've got guys going out to the post while there's a guy streaking. It's, it's the exact opposite of what Green Bay did uh, in throughout the season and why they struggled so much. Just talk to me about that offense and what it would have been, what you would have felt like playing them, because they do so much to confuse you. The offense of our offense. Your offense, yeah. What it, do you it, guys it, do? It, it, it would have been hard. We had to stop the run, because a lot of teams had a hard time stopping the run, so... When they couldn't stop the run, we could run the ball anytime we wanted to, and we wanted to play action. You had Deshaun Jackson 60 yards down the nice. field wide open, or you had Jordan Reed down the middle of the field with two split safeties. As long as we got the run game opening, everybody, 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 or either we, if we wanted to pass, a lot of people put two high safeties. And when they kept going too high safety, they kept running the ball every time. And we got the right running backs to do it every down. And on the defensive side of the ball, you, your, your. You were one of the strongest running defenses in the league in the early part of the year. And it seemed that it dropped off slightly as the year went on. I can remember the first four or five weeks. It was kind of like you, people weren't giving you the respect for it. But yeah. you were in that top three, top four run defenses. But it did tail off a little bit. And as a guy on the line, can you talk as to why that might be and what you can do this offseason to improve that? I, I believe we just wasn't focused on fundamentals. It's like the first few weeks, we knew, we knew what to do. And we knew how to play sound football. But once we wasn't... We started slowly slacking off on your gap responsibility, who needs to be here, who needs to be there. And we started seeing it, and it started affecting us from winning ball games, big ball games at that. So we go in the offseason, we got to know how to master consistency. That's the biggest thing, master consistency, and you'll be the key to anything. You'll do, you do everything, sky the limit. I wanted to talk to you about Jordan Reed. Just go back to the offense. Because <laughs> he had an absolutely stellar year. He was brilliant. 
how difficult is he to play against in practice and how good can he be next season that's the scary that's one of the scary parts how good can he be this year he was he was in a in a league of his own he, he was up there with the grunts as long as you compare Jordan Reed to Grunk, not size, but ability-wise, you have a tight end. And I believe that was Kirk Cousins' number one target. Even though he had the fastest guy in the NFL, Deshaun Jackson, and he had one of the best possession receivers, Pierre Gonçon, Jordan Reed can, can line up out there the same way and do the same thing those guys do. I genuinely don't understand why people didn't get that when you got in the red zone, Jordan Reed yeah. was going to run a slant round, <laughs> catch the ball, and score a touchdown. Like I can't remember which week it was. It must have been about 14-15, but you did it twice in the same game. And just going, I've seen them do this all season long. Somebody's got to notice that's what they're going to do and try and stop him. But the thing is, like I said, if you have an effective run game, if you're a defensive player, what you going to respect? you got to respect the run game because if you don't, Alpha Morris can hit a touchdown, but if you respect it, you got Jordan Reed, yeah. who literally finna catch this ball probably between three defenders and make it look easy. Yeah, I great. wanted to ask you as well about the Green Bay playoff defeat. It must have really hurt, especially the way that you played in the first quarter or so of that, and then Green Bay came back. But was it a game too far, and what can you guys do as a team uh, to hopefully learn from that but not repeat not not repeat the same mistakes, but it make sure it doesn't happen again next season. Never, never let a quarterback understand what's going on on your sideline, and you have to see the same thing as a quarterback see. If the only, the only way, the, the, the reason you see a lot of Hall of Famers in here, like Derek Brooks, um, and some and some more Hall of Famers, though defensive Hall of Famer or Bruce Smith, they knew what you was going to do before you did it, and that's what we have to do. We got to know what's going. We got to see what's going on in your eyes. We got to know what's going on in your head. What do you see? make you tick what makes you see this or do that and do this we didn't we didn't do that against Aaron Rodgers and then we wasn't comfortable on the field with our personnel because one thing Aaron Rodgers mastered at is when it, when you substitute he always get that five-yard penalty and at that he always end up getting a receiver downfield catching a touchdown pass or a big play couple we, of guys played into that oh yeah absolutely a couple of guys that I want to ask about on that line uh, Terrence Knight and one guy who came in and this year and did such a great job but also Jason Hatcher, a guy who's been there for a number of years and has just been playing at a high level in this league for some time. What's it like going in as a guy who's probably, what, four or five years in the league now? Was it 20, I want to say 10 that you were draw, brought in by the Niners? I'm just trying to make 20, a guess. 20, 2010 <laughs> would have made me feel younger, but it was uh, 09. I got with drive the seven, seven year going on eight. Having a guy like Terrence Knight, the one, probably one of the biggest, strongest dudes in the league sitting in the middle of the field, you've you seen what he did with Denver. They had the number one run defense they could stop. And now we have him. It's like having a quarterback on the field. He he knows a lot, and we take from him. But to have Jason Hatcher on the field too, an older guy that, that that's swift in and, and know his way around things, it, it made my job a lot easier because I start seeing things through their eyes, and they start showing me this is what you need to start looking at. When I start looking at certain things, it started making my game a lot more easier, and it started making the game more fun because I can see – I can see what you're going to do before you do it, and I can have fun with it. You looking forward to London? Oh, yeah. been there before. Well, yeah, with the 49ers in, in 2010. 10? Yeah, yeah in, 2010. In a, a successful trip. That team wasn't a, a great team at the time. My Mike Singletary, a guy who I love, didn't have the greatest time, but came, beat the Broncos. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. So what, what was uh, your memories of that and, and how much are you looking forward to coming back? It was just the atmosphere in the stadium. Like, I'd, I'd, I'd never been in a stadium that almost felt like a Super Bowl 
atmosphere until you get in the Super Bowl and just seeing the fans just walking around the town. You see them with 49ers jersey. You see them with Broncos jersey. Everybody loved football. Then I ended up going to a pet rally and just seeing that many fans come out from across seas and to come see us play and cheer us on. That's a that's an amazing feeling. I, I believe every NFL player should experience playing in London at least once in your career. You have to. you got to experience at least once. And we've also had Roger Goodell, the commissioner, he's announced that there'll be a game in Mexico City, Oakland versus uh, Houston in November next season. The league is expanding. And it's, would that be something maybe in 20, uh, 2017 going going out to Mexico or maybe to Canada and, and playing in another international series game? But, but, but remember, once upon a time b- back then, we used to play games like that. Exactly. We had games in Japan, if I'm not mistaken, one in Japan, one in Mexico. We kept playing those, and then for some reason, due to the safety reason, we stopped. But now we slowly but surely opening that gate back up, and now it's going to do a worldwide thing again. And when it does, the, the NFL is going to go. We, we're trying to be one of the biggest sports like soccer. Soccer is the number one sport. Nobody not touching them. But we want to get to the closest to them as we can so our, our game can be shown literally around the world and people can enjoy the game the same way we do over here. Uh, just to talk about the defences this weekend because they're two fantastic defences. Interestingly, you're, you're a guy who obviously an end in a 3-4 front. These are t- t- two teams that play that 4-3 and have two yeah. phenomenal defensive tackles on both sides of the ball. You've yeah. got K1 short, Starlow to Lele. The, the penetration they've been getting is absolutely insane. And then and then Wolf and Malik Jackson on the other side. Yeah. I mean, which it's almost unfair, but which of those defensive lines do you think is going to have more success this weekend? And where do you see those battles being won and lost? The one thing you said, you said the D tackles. You never said nothing about the end. You got oh, Von I mean, Miller. You got Von Miller. You have DeMarcus Ware, two Hall of Famers, and then on the other side you have Charles Johnson, and you, hopefully Jared Allen can play too. He was you, in training today, and he said he's going to play. So uh, We got Jared Allen too, and then we got Charles Johnson. On both sides, it's so hard to pick and critique, but you got to remember when you saw Denver, you never heard in the day that Tom Brady been hit 22 times in a game. Crazy. You, you, you never heard that. And with the Carolina Panthers, everything is clicking. Like, it's, it's, it's nothing falling off. And it's hard to beat a team that, that that knows their rhythm, know how to get the rhythm, know how to get the move and groove. I believe I believe it's going to be one of the most exciting Super Bowls to watch of this era. I, want we, to we had, to I just want to quickly on that point, very quickly. We had Ed Two Tall Jones here yesterday, and he was saying to us that you know it, part of that doomsday defense in in the Cowboys in the seventies and a phenomenal player himself. He said since he retired in nineteen ninety, he's never been so excited watching football since until when he saw Denver and what they did against the Patriots with that front, managing to bring pressure with three guys, with four guys, closing them down. He said it gave him goosebumps and still gave him goosebumps today thinking about it. Everyone wants to talk about how great Cam is. They're the big favourites. But do you think if those guys can get pressure with just the front, with just the front three, just the front four, actually Denver can win this game? I I think that'll be a a nightmare for for Cam and that'll be a nightmare for office coordinator. A defensive coordinator dream is you can only rush three and still get there. You can only rush four and still get there. If that happens, then we have a ball game because now you can rush four and drop seven. And no quarterback quarterback hates seeing seven guys drop. And now they can't get the reads they want. now. And you got four successful linemen coming off the ball, but you got to remember with Denver, they can rush. But you have a quarterback that's six foot five, 250 and can run. 
It's, it's crazy. It's absolutely, well, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. It's that's just, what I wanted to talk to you about. Cam Newton, he's a, a bit of a phenomenon. He's made everybody else on that entire roster, defense, special teams, offense, play better. I mean, can anyone stop him? Uh, uh, well, I mean, obviously the Denver defense can and the Falcons <laughs> did, but uh, can you look past, uh, can you look at, uh, at uh, the Panthers and Cam Newton especially pulling out an, an incredible, a massive performance and, and winning this game for them? He can. He, and the thing is, they lost their number one receiver, Benjamin. Yeah. And they have, not saying that they're not big name receivers, they're good receivers around NFL that didn't have the big time name. Cam didn't need that. Cam knew to make his team better, he had to become better. He had, looked like he had a great offseason. He had a good time with his offense coordinator, his head coach. They became one. They got on the same page. So when that happened, like you said, it made his whole team better. And when it made his whole team better, it's going to make him better. So if he knows his offensive line going to block or his receiver going to catch the ball, his defense going to get the ball back, everything clicking like this. And, and that's a scary feeling. I don't, I don't believe nobody can really slow Cam down, but this have to be the week. They, they must slow him down. They must have to slow him down. <laughs> how does it feel as a defensive lineman? And, and how do you feel about the way people react in the league to, to criticize Cam? Because I get frustrated with it because in his first year in the league, Towel over the head whenever he made a bad play, got on the sideline, became quite introverted. People gave him stick for it, said he wasn't a leader. Now he goes out there, pulls the Superman, gets in your face, has some fun with it, get, gives the ball away, celebrates with the backup quarterbacks, really gives it some, and people criticise him for it. If you're a defensive player and you're seeing a guy with that much swagger and that much confidence coming at you, what's that like and what do you feel about the criticism of Cam? That make, uh, that make you, as a defender, you want to step your game up to stop a guy like that, to have swagger like that, but... Cam gonna have swagger like that. Cam Cam gonna have fun with it. He gonna do what he do, and and nobody nobody can stop him. And for having a phenomenal athlete like that at quarterback at the at the at the best spot on the team, what what else could you ask for for Cam Newton to do this year besides win the super besides win the Super Bowl? Become the MVP of the Super Bowl and become the MVP of the league. This and year. I want to ask you uh, about Peyton Manning. You played against him uh, when you uh, played for the Colts, Colts a couple yeah. of seasons ago. Um, if this is his last game, obviously he'll be going, going down as one of the best. But what is it like to line up against him and the way that he uh, reads the game and, and manipulates his offense? As a defender, you, you hate how he look at the game. you got to respect it. You just hate how he look at the game. Because the first word you hear, and you start hearing Omaha. <laughs> you, Omaha! As soon as you hear that famous word Omaha, you got to be prepared to get in coverage, change it, switch, do something, because he already know what he's doing. If, I, if Anytime a defender, when I ever heard him scream Omaha, I'm just looking around like, please tell me somebody didn't give away the defense. Because he, if he called an Omaha, that means he going wow. to six. I'm, I'm reasonably convinced that Omaha actually means nothing, that he just does it because he knows it puts people off. Like, maybe it used to mean something, but now he just goes... Omaha every now and again. Oh, God, we've got to do something. I believe it doesn't mean anything because his backup started doing it. When I started seeing his backup do, I said, even though, I said, even though this might be Peyton Manning last game, I said, now I figured it out. It doesn't mean nothing, now I can't, not, but I can't get a chance to play against this guy again and realize now if I hear him say Omaha, it doesn't mean nothing. Ricky, Lewis, it's been really good fun. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when you come out in London. 
Oh, man, I'm looking forward to being in London and running around everywhere, taking pictures and enjoying the fans. And I promise you said you wanted to get better at this as you were doing this today. We've had a lot of fun. Really good time. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, man, thank you for having me on. Back on Radio Row. And if our show was to have a, a Hall of Fame of regular guests, this is a guy who, when he was over with the Vikings, we chatted to him. Chatted to him when he was over with the Dolphins. We had him on over the phone with the Dolphins. So this is time number four with us for Greg Jennings. Greg, how are you enjoying your Super Bowl so far? I'm enjoying it so far. Making my rounds. Uh, just doing my due diligence, if you will. <laughs> having, having a blast, though. You were we, getting stuck in on uh, on media day as well at the opening opening night. I saw you yes, getting, you getting saw in, that. Yeah, I saw you getting Absolutely. involved. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I was answering, or not not even answering. Look at me. I'm I'm so used to answering the questions. <laughs> I was asking a lot of the guys the questions and having fun with it, keeping it light. That's what you've got to do. It wasn't yeah, too bad. Well done. Well no, done. I appreciate it. It wasn't too bad, Greg. That, that's the, that's <laughs> probably the biggest that's compliment. The kicker. Okay, Sorry, I'll stay in my lane. I'll stay in no, my no, lane. No, no, no. That's a very English way of saying it's you very did good. Oh, thank that, you. It's very English. Thank that's you. not too bad. There we go. Okay. Does the does a future in the media beckon? I'm not saying the career's over yet, but I'm no, just wondering, hey, is that whoa, something whoa, you guys want to do? I'm a realist. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is definitely a future in the media, broadcasting somewhere in a booth i don't know we'll see how it works out but right now i'm gonna keep keep my grind on the grind on the gridiron good stuff man do we know next season what holds for greg jennings at the moment do we are we back in miami are we uh, do we have well, any clue what's happening well i'm under contract with the miami dolphins for another year and so as of today right now yes i am a dolphin and i say that because in this league you never know what's going to take place yeah you know, everyone says, oh, yeah, we want you back. We do. But, you know, I was in the same position last year with the Vikings and then got ended up getting, getting released. So that just in, that changes my mindset when I'm in that seat again. It's like, yeah, I'm under contract, but nothing's guaranteed. Well, we know that Adam Gase has obviously uh, signed with, with you guys in this offseason. Have you had a chance to have a conversation with him yet, a sit down, have an idea of what his ideas are for the team? Because... As an offensive mind, it seems like he could get things kick-started on that yeah, side of the you ball. know, he called me the other day, and uh, Michigander, so we have we have relation back to Michigan, but he, I'm excited. I'm excited because of the things that he's been able to do throughout his career with other offenses and with other quarterbacks. Um, I think the, the future is very bright, and I think everyone always says that when you get a new coaching change and all of that, but he definitely is going to bring a different look. It just You can see with the staff that he's, he's conforming and configuring together that uh, he's trying to do something like right now. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, I mean, for better or for worse, uh, the, the form dropped off towards the end of the season, and we know he had... Yeah, issues the offensive line often uh, had injuries on it and he got hit a lot but a lot of people talk about Gase being the right guy for Ryan Tannehill and the right fit for him from what you see from Tannehill and the work he puts in in the film room and the work he puts in in the offense do you think this is a blip on an upward trending career or is this something that we should be concerned about I think this is the year we find out I really do I think this is a year we truly find out who Ryan is um, because I've, as I've alluded to you know pretty much all morning and afternoon I think that his hand has been held. He's been held back of doing some of the things that even he wants to do and not given that freedom. And I think that with Coach Gates coming, he's going to get to experience a little bit more freedom 
and we're going to see who Ryan Tannehill really is. Another person uh, that uh, on that offense who's, who had a re- actually a really good year, despite some of Miami's woes, was uh, Jarvis Landry. Uh, how good has he been? And, and seeing him in practice every day, but also uh, come game time, Odell Beckham-style catches, etc. Uh, he's a phenomenal player. He's a phenomenal player. He can make every play from any position. And he's just he's an electric player. He plays with a physicality at the receiver position that you really don't see too often. A Anquan Bolden-esque mm. type of player. But he's an exciting player to watch. And he, he not only does it on the field in practice, but he transfers it and, and translates it over to the game, some of those ridiculous catches. So it's it's been exciting watching him. And, Dan, I mean, he's been a guy who's uh, hit those heights these last two years. Yeah. He's got the most catches in the NFL over that time. It's interesting that you mentioned about his physicality. Think of him as more of a slot guy. And what I'm interested in with your offense for next season is how it is going to line up. We're going to see Greg Jennings on the outside, Jarvis Landry on the inside. Feels like the pieces are already there. It just needs a little bit of augmenting, a little bit of uh, work Tweaking. with the coaches. And, yeah, and it's just, it feels like this, it, it's on the cusp, potentially. Yeah, we, I mean, when you look at the roster... The guys are there to get it done. It's just coming together and developing that one-track mind, that same mindset to where we can operate as a team and function as a team. No doubt. And on the defensive side of the ball, these are guys that obviously you see in training on a regular basis. And I think very similar, a lot of talent on that side of the ball. But we've not quite seen it all firing. We know Cam Wake went down with the injury. And, and I mean, Brent Grimes maybe had a little bit of a down year compared to the last two before that. Again, do you feel positive on what's happening on that side of the ball as well? I do. I do. Again, we have the pieces there. And it's about, you know, just guys moving as one unit and not as individuals and performing as as a team collectively and not, you know, jumping into their own little deal of I got to make this play, I got to make this happen. And just allowing plays to to take place and in, in, in the game to just take its course and plays plays will be made by individual guys but I think that was the the biggest thing we had just a lack of unity at times and it, it show I mean it, it's it's hard when you go through coaches coaching changes and I mean all through the year it wasn't just at the beginning it was at the midpoint of yeah. the year it was at the end of the year I mean it was it was Pretty it was a roller coaster wasn't it Really yeah, unsettled. unsettled is, the, is the right phrase for it. Now, I, I'm sure the UK Dolphins fans will love us to talk Dolphins for ages, but you're a man who you're here at Super Bowl 50 and you've got one of these rings. You've been yes. here. You've done this. So this team as the, these teams, as they're preparing for this week, it's Wednesday now, Tuesday. I literally Wednesday don't know what day of the week it is anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm almost there with you. We, uh, we, we're on Wednesday now, yeah, four or five days till the big game. How prepared how are they going to be mentally at this point what was it like for you building up to the Super Bowl at this point in the week um this is when you know Wednesday is always hump day so the things start to change you you have an off day yesterday and now you start to lock back in now you got two days of focus practice and then it's almost like downhill from here so (laughs) you got you got very you got a lot less time to think about all the the hoopla that's going on because now you're focused on the X's and O's of preparing and, and, and getting yourself ready to play a game. What well, one guy I wanted to ask you about was was Aaron Rodgers. Probably had his most frustrating season as a pro, I would guess, last year in terms of 
it just wasn't working out with the receivers. What's he like in that kind of situation with the frustration, and, and were you surprised at how it went last year? You know, I don't know what he's like in that situation. I, <laughs> he had a good one. You, you know, I, you I, we had a lot of success, so I don't think he ever really experienced what he had to go through this year. Um, and it, it was a, it probably was a challenge. I'm sure it was, but you know, every 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 player, every team is faced with adversities throughout the course of a year, and it's all about how you respond and how you resh- how you bounce back with a certain amount of resilience. And if there's one player that I know that has it is Aaron yeah so two touchdown passes in that Super Bowl two just talk as yeah two let no yes. one two, two touchdown passes in the ball this is something that no one else at this table is ever going to achieve ah. let's just make that pretty yeah, clear give it a <laughs> oh, there we go you never 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 give up on your dreams so it's I mean it's it was a, a reasonably tight game in the end with the scoreline but just talk us through for you playing in a Super Bowl catching touchdown passes the atmosphere the crowd all of it I'm just so fascinated by what that's like as a as a player we know what it's like from the stands but Standing that's got to be that that's got to be special yeah. yeah it was an unbelievable experience just as a kid you dream of this moment and to wake up and to know that you're about to be on the biggest stage in entertainment it was almost surreal and then to know that you have won on the biggest stage it was numbing it was numbing and and for me personally to have impacted the game the way that personally I was able to impact the game and as a team we were able to just come out fast and start fast it was it was I mean it was such a memorable experience but it was numbing it was really numbing And, and what the icing on the cake was being able to hold my two daughters at the end of the game and them say this is a big mess as the confetti falls it was just it was unbelievable <laughs> I, and i guess my final thought on this is looking forward to this weekend in super bowl 50 it's interesting to see the contrasting styles of these two teams the panthers are coming in seemingly very loose having a lot of fun with their media day etc mm-hmm. whereas the broncos are, seem to be very much this is a business week this is a business trip they're very very focused at this point when it comes to game day itself, first of all, I want to know who you're calling it for, but which approach do you think is going to really help a team come Super Bowl day? Is it better to be live and better to be a bit free, or should you be as focused as those Broncos are at the moment? I think you have to have a, a combination of both. And the reason why I say that is because you can't have an unbalance there. But I think that the, the Carolina Panthers have the right approach. Because it's a lot more challenging to be loose and to embrace being loose because everyone wants to tell you to be focused and we have to make sure that this is a business trip. Everyone already knows that. Every game that they've played leading up to this point has been that. So they know that. Now you're on the largest stage. You have to keep doing what you've done. So you you want that to permeate through your locker room and through your organization. Guys, we want you to be loose. Don't change what we've done. We've lost one game all year. We're doing something right. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, and with that, I believe that the Carolina Panthers are going to win Super Bowl 50. I, I, I do it's think there's a lot, the talk about the, uh, a lot of talk about the Panthers' wide receivers and, and the, uh, the, the lack of top-end talent there and what Cam's managed to turn them into. I mean, I was just looking at the, uh, the box score from your Super Bowl. and go, Greg Jennings. Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Donald Driver. I mean, as a group of receivers, that is ridiculous. Uh, I'm sure Cam would kill for that this weekend. So you're calling it for the Panthers at scoreline, anything like that? I, 
38-10. Oh, wow. He's going to blow out as well. Uh, look, Greg, it's always a real pleasure catching up with you. We hope you are back with the Dolphins next year and that you guys it. find some success without them. And uh, I'm sure there are lots of Dolphins fans in the UK, so they'd all love to see it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks, Greg. Great. So uh, absolutely delighted uh, back on Radio Row to be joined by a, t- a guy who knows how to win this, and not just once, but twice. Two-time Super Bowl winner with the San Francisco 49ers, Jim Stuckey. Jim, you're looking great, sir. Well, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm 57 and dropped a lot of weight, down from almost 300 down to 228. So I'm back in fighting weight right now, but it's good to be back here in the Bay Area. Live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is a long way away, all the way across the country. Not as far as you guys are. Uh, we we want to we want to talk to you. Obviously, you said you're from South Carolina. Obviously, that gives you a, a pantheon, and we love the fact you're back in the Bay Area. But just tell us what you said about dropping the weight, and you, you're here talking about Nutrisystem. Yeah, tell I'm us a here. Bit about myself it. and Dan Marino uh, nine years ago. Danny and I had lost um, weight. Well, I lost almost 60 pounds on Nutrisystem, and I was a defensive lineman. I played at 255, 265, but I was beat up. Um, and I needed a game plan. So Nutrisystem had just come out with a men's diet program. Nobody had ever catered to just men in the diet industry. And I said, oh my God, I'm an itinerary guy. I need something that works. So they tell you, they send you a box and freeze-dried, uh, not freeze-dried, but a freezer full of stuff, frozen foods, and you, and you get it. But it gave me a game plan on what to eat, what not to eat, and portion control. So... I mean, I lost the weight quick. I lost 60 pounds and right at eight weeks. And I got Danny on it. I'm the godfather of this whole program. <laughs> uh, I mean, Super Bowl weekend's got to be a weekend. Oh, yeah, it's good. So, come Monday morning, yeah. people have got to be desperate. So we come promoted. So, and Super Bowl Monday is, I mean, uh, the day after Super Bowl is the biggest diet decision day for men in the That's United States. And I don't know about the UK, but... Um, it will be for us. Yeah. <laughs> so you start to say, look here, I've got to change. I've got to change some habits. So I tell people to get in the game, get off your fanny, and there's not all that much happening in uh, February and March. So get up and try this. It works. Fantastic. Now, we, we mentioned it already, returning to the Bay Area. You, do you come to San Francisco much since your time I here come, in the I uh, come about twice a year. Fantastic. Uh, about a week at a time, and I love it out here. I lived here 10 years. I love the people. I love the topography, the city. Uh, I miss the heck out of it while I'm uh, not here, but I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, but I love coming out here. It's such an exciting time for me this week. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a 49ers fan, and so Good. I, I want to know what it was like playing for Bill. Baby, all we did was win. <laughs> People say, oh, what'd you do? I said, baby, all we did was win. Uh, Bill was great. He was pretty philosophical. And back in the 80s, there was still a lot of rah-rah uh, in the coaching. And we, you play 16 games, so you can't get up emotionally every game. But what Bill, philosophically, he said, we are so good. And I will put you in the position. I have such a good offense, such a good defense, that I'm going to put you in a position that you play to a certain standard of excellence, whether you're up or down emotionally. And I expect that. And mentally, I'm going to put you in that position. And if you can't play to that, I'm going to get rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> so it was pretty philosophical. So we played no matter, because you just can't go, you can't play 16 games up and down emotionally. Uh, you get too burnt out. Uh, what, what interests me with, with you guys is kind of everybody focuses on Bill and Joe and the West Coast offense and how revolutionary that was. But that defense was also pretty 
spectacular as well. I mean, what were the practices like? Because I imagine those in themselves. Well, you know what? Yeah, we had a great defensive line. We had eight or nine of us that they would interchange in situations. I mean, we would run guys in and out all the time. We had uh, the best pass rusher in the league, a guy named Fred Dean. Yeah. And Fred was uh, the only guy that still to this day ever won the AFC and the NFC Defensive Player of the Year. Wow. Yeah. He was the baddest pass rushing boy I ever saw. He weighed about 228. Never lifted a weight, anything. He, you know, uh, Which is amazing because that's more like you see the guys nowadays who play a kind of 4-3 outside linebacker. And people think of that as a new thing. But playing at that sort of weight back then oh was, my was God. amazing. I mean, he was just so strong naturally. Yeah. And uh, he grew up uh, cutting pulp wood down in Bossier City, Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> there was nobody stronger than Fred. He used leverage and everything. But we had a group of characters. We had great linebackers in Ricky Allison, Hacksaw Reynolds, Keena Turner. Oh, my gosh. The list just goes on. And our defensive backs. I mean, our defense was really good. Uh, we had Eric Wright, Ronnie Lott, Carlton Williams, and Dwight Hicks, and Lynn Thomas. It was it was amazing the wealth of talent that Bill and George Seifert had assumed and uh, accumulated on both sides of the ball. What? What? I actually spoke to Ronnie Lott two years ago, and we've got him tomorrow morning as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Tell him stuck said low. Will do. Will um, do. <laughs> he kind of spoke about what it was like for you guys going against Joe and Jerry Rice in practice and how. That almost became more competitive than the games because oh, you, yeah. were, you were so candid. Well, they were the best receivers and the best defensive backs in football. Yeah. Uh, so we had the accumulation on both, uh, both on the same team. So, I mean, it was incredible. And I think Ronnie will probably tell you this too, but um, uh, Super Bowl 16 meant the most to me only because we are a bunch of second and third year guys, first, second, and third year guys. Those guys were rookies. Uh, and we didn't know that we weren't supposed to be good. We did not know. Everybody forgot to tell us how good we were, that we weren't supposed to be as good as we were. And we came from great college uh, programs. And uh, I mean, it was just a special, special time. 84, we were a machine. Now, yeah. that's, it's quite interesting we you mention that because uh, some comparisons to be drawn, drawn with the. Uh, some comparisons. Uh, I'll let you uh, turn that off, Sean. It's not you. Oh, okay. It's not me. There's some comparison to be drawn, certainly, with the uh, with the Panthers and that team that's there now. I, I look at those young guys in the middle, and you played defensive tackle, yeah. and K1 Short and Starlo Tulele, who came out of the same draft. They're only third-year guys, and the yes. level they're playing at is just incredible. It is. Uh, they're playing really, really good football. I think Ron Rivera and his staff has done a great job of energizing these guys, not making things too overly complicated about what you have to think about. Their defense, I mean, they've got some studs. they got great linebackers, great team leadership. And I think having Coach Rivera as a past player and being able to relate to these guys, that is very, very beneficial. And I think Cam took a, he took a step forward this year to a, a whole different and uh, a bigger leadership role. He said, this is my team. Uh, I'm going to put it on my back, and we've got the talent here, and we're going to roll. And, and, and similar to Carolina, you guys all kind of grew up together in, in, in San Francisco. And Carolina are doing that as well, young guys who've kind of yeah. come through at the same time. How does that kind of build the, the, the team chemistry when you guys Well, it do does. That? I mean, it gives everybody, everybody counts on one another. So if you're kind of a lot of you are in the same age group, and you've certainly got your team leaders, and anybody that will address anything if you get out of line, 
But guys are following others by example now. And you set a positive example. Look, this is what we have to do to get to the promised land. And these guys are jumping on board with each other. They're uh, maybe out of the same class, same age group. So, babe, we got this chance. It might only be our only chance ever. So we got to make the most of this. Let's do it right. Let's uh, have our discipline and, and do the things that we're supposed to do to have a positive outcome. Now, you said that 16 means the most to you, but you're working on this system stuff with Dan. Yes. And in 19, you guys went out there and beat him and, you, I mean, famously never quite got there and never won a ring. Yeah. Is there, you've got to surely occasionally mention that to him. Oh, I, I do, or he'll look and he'll look at me and he'll say, you son of a buck. That's my ring. That's the ring I'm supposed to have. You know, and that's how he was arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. And when you don't just have all the components together in one special season, then, I mean, you can, uh, um, you might not ever get there. He played 17 years and only one time is what his rookie year. Did he ever come close? So, I mean, you've got to have everything involved and that's one thing Bill Walsh did, George Seifert, we and Eddie DeBartolo, our owner, oh my gosh. Yeah. But one for damn Eddie, getting everybody together and having the belief in not only his players but his coaches and let football people run the team. Yeah. Mentioning Eddie quickly, Saturday we expect to hear the announcement of the yes. Hall of Fame, and he's up there. He's he's been nominated as the uh, as the whatever they call it, the, the, that new category. Yeah, it's the new for, category. Yeah. Um, but I, surely he's a guy who many believe should have been in the Hall of Fame. Oh my gosh, he ago. should have been there years ago. And um, hoping and praying that uh, they the voters find their way to pick him. He is so well deserving. Uh, one of the best, if not, I consider him the best owner ever. Yeah. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, heartfelt. He's a player's owner. He always took care of us. Uh, his exuberance, his enthusiasm, his wanting to give to San Francisco what they deserved. Yeah. And, and that's a quality people and product out on the field. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, we've got to finish off and finally say, Obviously, you're a Carolina boy. We, we're hoping, imagining you're going to be rooting for, for Cam and those guys. But how do you see Sunday going? Do you see any chance for, for yeah, Peyton I and think, the old guys? I think at the end of the day, uh, I think Denver has incredible defense. I think their offense is good, not great. I think there are certain components that are, are great. But I think Carolina has the overall talent. Um, on the defensive side, the offensive side, and special teams. So I think uh, they've got the overall game plan too. So if I were a betting man, and I'm not, but I would take uh, Carolina to win. And if there's a young team, they can do what you guys did in 16, they go on and, and be a bit of a dynasty and, and re replicate what you guys managed to do here in San Francisco. Absolutely. So good to be back in the Bay Area. And thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you very much for listening to The Gridiron Show with me, Will Gavin, and Ollie Hunter down the line. Ollie, say goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, will, do you think Ricky Jean will remember us? I would love to think he will when we see him. So you heard from Ricky Jean Francois there, uh, Greg Jennings, and also the legend of the 49ers, Jim Stuckey. Plenty of Super Bowl rings on that man's fingers. Uh, coming up in the next show, we're going to have Ed Tootle Jones, Ian Williams, and Charles Johnson of the Minnesota Vikings. Plus, we'll talk quarterbacks. Ollie, any final thoughts? Did you see Villanova versus uh, North Carolina? I, I caught literally the final 
four minutes. Well, that's all you needed to see because it was incredible. It was oh, finale. Genuinely incredible. Have you seen the um, some footage someone filmed on their phone of uh, at the on the Villanova um, campus? They did a huge outdoor screen and there were probably about three or four thousand people watching it. And do you remember the reaction in Trafalgar Square when London got uh, rewarded the Olympics? Uh, rewarded, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, r- ramp that up by about 15 times and they went absolutely nuts for it and I was thinking about it I think my favourite thing in the world there's a great thing I tweeted out the other day from at Will Gav of Norwich fans celebrating when they went 3-2 up against Newcastle right at the death yeah and there's that moment that you only really know as a sports fan when something happens right at the final moments of a game or whatever and it's just mind-blowing and just the pure relief and joy that you exude oh it's i i love it i love it have you ever had that moment oh yeah i've i've had moments where uh, well i think penn state when we had that that was that was pretty close to that and we were one hundred and ten thousand people i mean i wasn't a hardcore fan of the team but i was just so swept up in it um yeah uh there was uh reading wolves in 90 i want to say six maybe 97 uh about 10 then? Uh, 13 or 14. 13, yeah. okay. Yeah. Uh, second to last game of the season, had to beat them to stay up. It was a night game. It was pissing it down with rain. We were soaked <laughs> to the skin and it was one all with about five or six minutes left and we went a goal up and then we went 3-1 up and, and won and stayed in what at the time was still Division 1. It wasn't the championship yet. Uh, yeah. And that was pretty pretty incredible. But yeah, anything like that, those last minute goals to win it, which just... Oh, I'll tell you an amazing one, actually, while I'm doing it, and then I'll ask you for yours. Uh, it's one that the whole nation shared, but David Beckham's free kick against Greece. Uh, oh, to, yeah, you're right. To get us into Euro 2000. But the moment that happened, I was in the walkabout in Reading, and I just <laughs> left this... Euro 2000, Euro 2002, 2000. Um, and I just... I was upstairs in the walkabout, and it was so packed in. You were, like, shoulder to shoulder. Nowhere you were going to sit. You could barely lift your beer to your mouth. And when that went in, I've never seen more plastic pint cups and litres of beer... Uh, be thrown up into the air and soak an entire crowd of people but because we were up on the balcony the people who were down on the downstairs floor got genuinely drenched <laughs> in beer but nobody seemed to care we went down there and people were soaked to the skin uh, but it was it was just one of those things where everyone there was sharing in the same moment it was pretty incredible elation and joy now i suppose it would have been incredible to have been there for the hot the two um Aaron Rodgers sort of Hail Marys, especially that that first one against Detroit, where it r- literally was the final seconds, um, and you know Richard Rodgers brings it in. But the one I know and uh, I was at was for QPR versus uh, Derby County in the playoff final to get into the Premier League. Gone down to ten men, back to the wall. It was one of the worst games of all time, and uh, Bobby Zamora scores with about two minutes to go. there's nothing quite like it, just the elation that you feel. It is incredible. Well, that was a nice little conversation to tack on to the end there. Good shout, Ollie. Well done. Sometimes I ask you if you've got anything else to add, and you go, meh. (laughs) I like it when you add something really, really of value. You add something of value all the time, Ollie. You're my favourite. So keep tuned. We're going to have another show out in the next couple of days, and then next week... 
Uh, I, I'm trying to think. We may do a show before the schedule's released, but certainly once the schedule's out and we start to work on the Gridiron Tour for next year alongside sports travel tours, that's going to be incredible. Cannot wait for that one. So uh, we'll bring you all that information. I hope you've been saving your pennies because it's going to be brilliant uh plus keep checking us out at gridiron on twitter and our draft edition is coming out very soon and no word of a lie i mean i've seen some parts of the draft edition i've read some of the stuff in there some great interviews including our chat with paxton lynch including our chat with carson wentz's offensive coordinator from north dakota state which i've got the the audio for and we're going to play out probably in the week building up to the draft or the week beforehand that's a great interview but when are we playing out carson wentz's dog walkers aunt uh that's that's we gonna, interviewed her too we're gonna do that after the draft okay fine uh because yeah, it's idea. not it's not quite as relevant it's more a character thing sure sure uh <laughs> his offensive coordinator is a pretty big part of his life mate Come i on. know, I know. Uh, uh but uh matt sherry said to me and matt sherry's not a man for hyperbole <laughs> 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 uh, but he went to me honestly will i've never been more proud of anything i uh, it's class it's truly class so go to gridiron-magazine.com and order your draft preview edition because i mean if you've ever heard simon clancy on this show it's worth going and reading just for his insight before you even get to our podcast pages which are basically just waffle and nonsense uh, you're, you're utterly correct <laughs> <laughs> uh, otherwise Thank you for listening to The Gridiron Show. Check us out at Gridiron on Twitter, gridiron-magazine.com. Ollie, any final words? No, Will Gavin. Uh, I look forward to seeing you at work soon. In which case, this has been The Gridiron Show. That's how people say it in Surrey. Hey, Will. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sports relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is our winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. <laughs>